I want to say this, uh, that there, if we were to sit in my kitchen and have a cup of coffee, we could uh, ping and pong a, a conversation for hours on just the topic of how it is abundantly clear that God rarely does things the way we expect them to. I mean, I'm saying rarely just because my memory is not that great. So I'm trying to give myself a little bit of margin. What I really want to say is that God never listens to my opinion on how the future should unfold. Are you with me on that? I would not get stressed out and worried if I knew he was taking my counsel in consideration. Are you with me? If I had confidence that he was listening to my directives, I wouldn't be worried about anything ever. But I'm 100% sure he is not asking, nor is he wanting to know what I think about the events that should be unfolding in the upcoming weeks. In fact... When Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, I'm good with that. I'm good with that part. Let your will be done. Where are you going here? On earth as it is in heaven. See, now there lies the problem. Because I don't know what his will is up there. I know what my will is down here. And I don't know how different they are. Are you with me? So there's a scripture in the Bible that we've heard many times. uh, And I'm going to build the whole sermon on this thought. That God's ways are not our ways. That his ways are above our ways. Now hopefully if the Lord will help me. We can unpack that verse. By the time we leave here tonight, we will have tackled two Roman numerals. Number one, we're going to discuss his unfailing love because his ways are higher than our ways. Then we're going to tackle his plans for us so that we don't need to fret and worry and be concerned about the plans unfolding in a certain way that that. Uh, we don't have to worry if, if God's got our best interest in mind. I don't know if any of you have ever played football before. Have you ever played football? I don't care if it's even in your backyard. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Here you go. Even if it's in your backyard. You know, when somebody throws a football or somebody kicks a football to you and you miss it, it's very interesting what happens to that ball. Because that ball is not shaped like a basketball. A basketball, when it bounces, you know exactly which way it's going to go. It's round, therefore it has some type of consistency to it. A football is not round, and when it hits the ground, it may bounce towards you. It may bounce away from you. You have no idea. A ball like that can bounce sideways. 
how it can be coming towards you and not come towards you nor away from you, but go that way. Whoever designed a football, I wish I could meet the guy. Because I don't want to just say, why? Why couldn't it be round like all the rest of the balls? Think of a ball that's not round. Only a football. It would drive a person mad. But in life, even a ball, your life, you don't know if the events that you're holding, is the ball going to bounce in my direction? Is it not going to bounce in my direction? Is it going to go well for me? Is it not going to go well for me? Is it da, da, da? But once we build confidence, it always bounces to your best interest. Uh, it takes some maturity to unpack that because your best interest, it just may be that that ball doesn't bounce in your direction because it's not in your best interest. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. Here we go. Let's read this. This is Isaiah 55 verse eight. We're going to dive straight in. It says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. I'm going to hit five points real quick under the Roman numeral of unfailing love. Number one is pardon. The amount that he pardons us. Now, if you read this entire chapter, you'll see that when he says my ways are not your ways, it's talking about pardon. It's talking about having an unfailing love towards people who do not deserve it. That's who it's talking about. Because a man, in, in, when we're discussing pardon, a, a man does not plan for pardon towards his enemies. Does that make sense? If there's somebody that doesn't like you, therefore you're having trouble liking them, you don't plan in your head I have a lot of forgiveness going towards this person. If this person ever wrongs me, I've already made, I've already made a pre-decision decision. I'm going to forgive them, period. People don't do that towards their enemies. People do not plan on forgiving people who have that type of history. God, on the other hand... 
forgave people before they even, I want to say this, even though it appears as if we are devoting ourselves to destroying the plan that God has for us, isn't that so? Let me, let me not make sure I, I don't disconnect on the first point. Sometimes I wonder if God looks at me and says, Frankie, are you trying to mess things up? Like, are you, are you just like trying to figure out how to mess up my plan? Are you trying, are you doing this on purpose just to see if I can fix it? Some of us can relate to that thought of God, you know me. I don't know if you've ever prayed this. I've prayed it a million times. God, if you don't want me to walk through that door, you better lock it, bolt it, put a bull behind it, chain it down, put a piano by it. Because if you leave a crack, I will figure out how to get in. I will figure out how to make the wrong decision. You have got to make it clear and obvious. Go this way. Go this way. Go this way. Do not say yes. Say no. If you make it vague, if you give me options, I will pick the wrong one. When God sees that we are determined to consistently make the wrong decision. Nope. 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 He says, I see where you're going. I've already forgiven you and you just started looking in that direction. You haven't even started moving there yet. God doesn't do things Like we do things. We say, no, 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 no. Point number two. The number of offenses. Under favorable and special circumstances, men forgive a few times. But they are prone not to forgive after repeated offenses. Isn't that true? I shall forgive you. Hey, no worries, mate. All right, partner. (laughs) That's the second time. We'll forgive, but after over and over and over and over and over, now you're starting to vex me. Are you with me? We've talked about this. Think about those of you that are parents. Raise your hand, your parents. Okay, now we're going to come home. I'm going to bowl this right down to your front door, okay? You tell, there's nobody you love more than your children, right? Now's a good time to say, right. (laughs) There's nobody you love more than your children. Some of your children are in this room, my goodness. There's nobody you love more than your children. And, and, and after about the seventh time. Are you with me? That's just seven. God, on the other hand, 
forgives freely many times and as completely and lovingly as the last time as the first. It's like the Bible says that his mercy is new and fresh every morning. So imagine this. You go out tonight and you buy milk. Raise your hand if you have milk in your refrigerator right now. Go ahead, raise it up, raise it up. Right now, you have milk, you have milk. Raise your hand if you have juice in your refrigerator. If you don't have milk, you have juice. Okay, now imagine you go out and you buy it. You put it in the refrigerator and you're gonna go to sleep. You're like, no, I wanna get me a big glass of milk. I can't do this illustration because a big glass of milk doesn't sound good to me. Um, A big glass of orange juice. See, before you drink orange juice, you got to shake it. So it's foam on the top, right? Ah, so good. Oh, Oh, so good. You put the orange juice back. There's that much now gone from the orange juice. You go to sleep. You wake up. Open the refrigerator. And the orange juice is full again. Oh, I know I had some orange juice last night. Because there's the glass that I forgot to put in the sink. There it is right there. But my orange juice is fresh. I just woke up and it's new and fresh. So that night when you come home from work, you drink some more. And then you drink a little bit more to see if it'll happen again. Now it's half, it's half empty. You go to sleep. You wake up. You open your refrigerator and it's full again. Now how in the world you start, your mind would start going crazy? When you use God's mercy, it is as if you have never used it before. It's new and fresh every morning. And so when we have the thoughts, I know God is getting sick and tired of me. That's hell yelling from the pit. That's not God. That's not the Lord. The Lord's saying it's new and fresh every morning. Have you ever wanted somebody to not forget something so you wrote it down for them? Have you ever sent someone to the grocery store and like eggs, milk, bread, eggs, milk, bread, go get eggs, milk, bread, eggs, milk, bread. Why do you write it down? You don't want them to forget it. It's very important. Things you write down, you don't want them to forget. So God said this, my mercy is new and fresh. I don't want you to forget this. Every morning. Here. Thank you. I don't think God's going to forgive me. Ah! That's how he feels when we don't read. Ah! That's okay. I knew you were going to do that. So I'm going to make sure my bald-headed Italian son talks about that exact verse the minute you show up to church. Number three. 
In number of offenders, men may pardon one person or a few who injure them, but the greater the number, the less they are inclined to forgive. The name Mazapika is a tough last name to grow up with. Don't have to be real creative to mess with that last name in middle school. You walk into a classroom and one smart mouth kid says something about my last name. I'm going to let that slide. But when another kid says it and another kid says it and another kid says it and the whole classroom is saying it. The thoughts that I'm thinking towards them involve fire and arrows, bombs, bullets and knives. You see me? I'll let one person slide, maybe. I'm going to sound like a good Texan. But all y'all? No, I'm going to start going. You ever want to start just going crazy on somebody? (laughs) See, I had this thing in high school. I was never a good fighter. I I could never really fight that good. I always had this phobia in the back of my mind that my punches didn't hurt. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've always thought that other people's punches were, were harder hitting than my punches. And so anytime there was an altercation in the hallway, which where I used to live, that used to happen a lot, I'd just start acting crazy. Oh, oh, oh I make my, oh, oh, you want, oh, you want a piece? Oh, I know you, I know you that. And the other person like, what is happening to this guy? <laughs> Please. You say, you make your eyes go, Please talk to me. Please talk to me. Please. Oh, oh well, where's your mom? I'm going to kill everybody in your whole family. And in my head, I'm like, dear God, please let him walk away. Please let him walk away. Please let him walk away. And about 50-50, about half the time that you're like, dude, this guy's crazy, man. I'm going to leave this guy. And then the other time you're like, oh, man. Ah, ah. You didn't even push me first. Ah, jeez. <laughs> we're supposed to push each other for a while, and then we're supposed to fight. You didn't even push me first. <laughs> You know, <laughs> oh, geez. See, the bad part is, is if y'all don't even laugh, I'll laugh at myself, you know? Oh, boy. So it, the, all these offenses start building up the way man is wired. No, maybe one of you, but not all, not all of you. That's not going to happen. God's not like that. With the way God is wired up, God forgives freely many times and as completely and and as loving as the first. Let me say this. God forgives everyone regardless of the number of offenders. Number four. In the kinds of offenses. Remember, his ways are not our ways. See, if I bump into you, Isaiah, I'm like, oh man, excuse me, sorry. You say, hey, bro, no problem. You can forgive me for that offense. But let's just say I bump into Jessica. Boom. Oh, excuse me. Well, hold on now, partner. First you bumped into me. 
Now you're elbowing my wife. My wife's pregnant. Come on, let's give them a round of applause. Yay. I wasn't going to tell anyone. I wanted everyone to think that you're eating donuts like crazy. I may not tell anyone on Sunday. I want the whole church to be like, man, that girl's got to stop eating those Krispy Kremes. But anyway. (laughs) We're not going to put this one on the internet, are we? But there's certain things that we can forgive people for. There's other things that we go, you know what? No, we're never going to talk again. We're never going to communicate again. Do you know that there is nothing that you can do to make God look back at you and go, it's over. I remember I was 17. I was dating this girl. I can't say her name because you never know where these things are going to end up. She was mad at me. And we were on I-10. It was about midnight. And she got mad. And so she was driving because I didn't have a car. She was driving. And she slammed the gas down. And she starts going like this. I'm so mad at you. Well, you can do this to a car when you're going like one mile an hour. Now, when you're going like 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 miles an hour, and you start going like this... Something bad's going to happen, right? And I'm looking at her, and all of a sudden, the car, her hair went, her hands were like this. And all of a sudden, you know that concrete wall in the middle of the highway? Boom! I was like Rocky. Boom! And the only thing I'm thinking... A semi-truck's coming. We spun around again, hit the same wall. Boom! We spun around because the wheel was locked. Spun around twice. We get out of the car. I'm stumbling around. I don't know how the ambulance got there. Ambulance got there. This guy says, hey, let me take you to a phone. So we get in the car. And she sits next to me and she goes... I know you're going to break up with me. (laughs) Now we're in the car with this guy that I don't know. And I'm just thankful he's driving me to a phone. And I went and I looked at her. I said, no. No, 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 never. And in my head, I'm like, I'm never going to talk to you again, you crazy woman. You almost killed me. I was like, no, 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 no. This is the last time you will ever be within a football field from me. I will never even say your name again. No, no, no. It was an accident. It was an accident. In my head, I know. That was the last straw. That was all done dot com. <laughs> I'm telling her, no, no, I just want to get out. She may grab his wheel and jerk it around. I don't know what she's going to do. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. We're good. We're good. Car stop. Pew! Pew! 
gone. Never again. God does not look at us like that. He doesn't look at us and go, I was okay with this one. But this one, uh uh-uh. It's not like that. Why? Because his ways are above our ways. Let me share this to you. And again, I'm still under Roman number one, but Roman number two is short. Number five, the degree of offenses. Men will forgive an offense, offenses if they're small enough not to be of any great injury. God will forgive the greatest and most aggravated offenses against them. Now let me talk about plans because his ways are above our ways. Think about the best things that have ever happened in your life. The best. There's probably three of them that can come to your mind right now. The best things. Raise your hand if you've had kids. There you go. There's one. Well, just give it to me. Your kids. I was being silly, but it's our children. You know, think about certain things. that They're the best things that's ever happened to you. Maybe a job that you have right now. My neighbor, every time I talk to him, I wish he was here so I could tease him in front of all of you. Every time I talk, I think he works for Caterpillar. Caterpillar. Every time I talk to him, he wants to talk about how much he loves his job. For not three or four minutes, 15 minutes at a time. I've been with Caterpillar for 21 years. I'm telling you what, man, I just feel like a kid. Every time I go to work, I get to play with these big Tonka toys. Caterpillar, 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 Caterpillar. Hats, shirts, bandanas, mouthpieces, given hats, given t-shirts. I'm like, this dude is a crackhead about Caterpillar. Gee, he would smoke Caterpillar if he could. He, he's just nuts about Caterpillar. And so for him, if he were in this crowd, he would raise his hand and say, my job. One of the best things that's ever happened to me in my whole life. Now, some of you guys are looking at me like, who likes their job that much? This guy. And I think the same thing you think. What? You got to work. Come on. It's not like you were born Paris Hilton. She's got a pretty cool life. You're a billionaire. I could understand loving your life if you're Paris Hilton, but when you love your job and you work for Caterpillar, man, that's awesome. Makes me wonder, man, are they hiring? (laughs) So he, he would raise his hand. I know he loves his daughter. So he would raise his hand on those two accounts. But think about the things in your life that are the best things that has ever, ever, ever happened to you. Now, how much planning and effort and strategy went into that? Not much. You know why? Because the best part of your lives, God handed to you. He gave to you. Absolutely. Watch this. Your future, the best things are gonna, that are going to happen to you in your future, God is just going to hand to you. 
This building in the nine years that our church has been around, this building is one of the best things that's happened to our church. We did five years with no building. That was rough. Then we get a building. I signed the papers on a Thursday. We had church on Sunday. That's called turnkey. Thank ya. You know how, I didn't even know this building was on the radar six months before we walked in. The realtor called me. I didn't even know it was here. I should have known it was here. We were having church in the Woodlands High School. It's only two blocks down. But we got to remember who we're dealing with here. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I just love Jesus a whole bunch and things just kind of happened for me. I got the best wife in the world. Had somebody not told me that there's a girl in Vancouver that's coming down here. I'm going to introduce her to you. I think she's supposed to be your wife. Had that not happened, I would have married the girl. Leave it up to me. I'll make the wrong decision. (laughs) The best things that's ever happened to me just were, oh man. You know what the number one thing that's ever happened to me to make my point even more is the fact that I'm saved and I've given my life to the Lord and I'm going to heaven. You know what the Bible says about that? Frankie, Just in case you feel like bragging, it was a free gift that by faith through grace you received it so that no man can brag. Every good thing you and I have ever had that is really good. I'm not talking about a good Baskin Robbins ice cream. I'm talking about something that changed your life. God handed it to you. Hand it so that you wouldn't mess it up. And every wonderful thing that's in the future, you don't have to fret and worry on whether, oh my goodness, I don't know if it's going to happen. The things that he has planned, you don't even know they exist, so you can't even worry about it. (laughs) Can you imagine? Had I known this building was here, When we started the church, I would have worried about it for five years. I'd be driving by, seeing if anybody's in the parking lot. Somebody's going to take our building. (laughs) Right? Because somebody's always going to take our blessing. He's going to take it. So God just says, look, you ain't even going to know it's here. You're going to mess and go waste your time with girls like this. And I got your girl right here. You're going to be, I don't think she loves me anymore. She said, I was so heartbroken over this other girl named Heather. I'd say girls have had a playground in my mind. God just said, you go waste your time and grow up, mature, the best you're gonna. I got this girl right here. Had I known she was up there, I would have been flying to Vancouver, looking through windows, hiding behind bushes. The best things about that have happened to me 
I didn't plan them. So why can't I just rest and say the best things about my future? I don't even know they're there. And when I get there, I'm going to be just like I was when I found those blessings. Ah, yes. Thank you, Jesus. No sense in worrying and fretting. Why? His ways are not like our ways. Have you ever looked at somebody's face and you can say, man, dude, you are stressed to the max, bro. Yeah, I am. Say, look, ma'am, the best part of your future, you don't even know it's there. God has it in his hand. When the time comes, he's going to give it to you. And all your fretting and worrying about the stuff that you hope comes through for you is going to look really small compared to the big blessings that he has. You see, all the stressing that we've done in the past and worrying that we've done in the past compared to the big blessings that changed. See, you know it's from God when it changes the trajectory of your life. Your life was this happy and now it's that happy. Only God can do that. Do you see what I'm saying? Like the best you can do for yourself is go get yourself a new shirt and be like, yeah, I'm happy. But if you get like a new job and it changes your life, wham! That's how you know it's from God when it changes the trajectory of your life. And all those moments in your life, you're nervous. And it's like, it's like, um, it's like being nervous about, you know, these little petty things when God's got these big things waiting for you. At what point are you and I are going to go, you know what, all these things that I'm worried about, I'm going to forget that they even exist in about a month. Chew on that one for a while. Number two under plans, and this is my last point. Follow that still small voice. I want to mess with your head. Can I mess with your head? I want to mess with your head. There is a, I I wasn't even going to talk about this scripture because I haven't figured it out in my head yet. And here I am going to talk about it tonight. And I, it's not even fully baked yet. This is a half baked thought, but I can't hold it back. So I got to share it. Are you ready? In Jeremiah 1, 5, it says this, God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you a prophet to the nations. I appointed you. All right. You ready for me to mess? Look at somebody and say, you're about to get your head messed with. Go ahead. Go ahead. The Bible did not say that while you were in your mother's womb, he saw you. Does not say that. It says that he knew you. He met you. Let me say it again. He 
met you. Before you were in, you have already met God. Your spirit has met God. And that's why when he says, my sheep know my voice. There's something about someone who doesn't attend church. They don't go to church and all of a sudden they start feeling this little tug. You say something mean, you do something mean and you feel this little tug. You feel a tug to worship. I need to start worshiping more. I need to start praying more. How do you know that voice? How do you know that tug? How do you know how to respond? Because you've met before. We just don't remember meeting him. We have Alzheimer's. We've met. We've talked. We've connected. We, we haven't met. We know each other. Put your head around that. Do you know I met, I, I talked with Clyde Drexler. But I don't know Clyde Drexler. I know my wife. I just, doors open, there was Clyde Drexler. I went, Clyde the Glide. He was like, what's up, man? I was like, elevator doors closed. I was like, "Ah, I just talked to Clyde Drexler. But I don't know Clyde Drexler. For those of you who don't know who Clyde Drexler is... It's a basketball player that used to play for the Houston Rockets. If you're a blue blood Houstonian, he's the fourth godhead. No, I'm just kidding. So, I don't know him. I know my wife. God knows you. And you know him. And when you hear that voice, it's still a still, small voice. Now the Bible says, they know my voice and they follow. So now the ball's in our court because we're feeling that tug. His ways are not our ways. We're feeling him pull. What do we do about that? 